Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. And good day, everybody, and welcome to Paul Lissnick Behind the Curtain, where today I'm going to visit with one of the classic figures, certainly in game show history. You are all aware of him from the very famous original Hollywood Squares, but there is so much more to his career. And now that he's up in his 90s, I think it's important that you all know just how much is part of the life of the great Peter Marshall. Peter, thank you for joining me, and welcome to the show. So good to talk to you. Oh, thank you very much. I love Chicago. I've uh, worked there most of my life. Yes, WGN Radio is Chicago. I'm sure you remember that well. And I know, yeah, you, you've I appeared here. You've performed here over the years. Uh, th- th- I know this is a favorite city of yours. Yes, it is. And my son, who, in fact, is here right now today, came in from uh, Phoenix, uh, played for the Cubs for many years. Your son, Peter Lecoq, of course, was everybody. I hate to say it because while everybody loved him, everybody, at least I, always knew this was your son. So <laughs> he, was, he was always part of, of, uh, of that family. So please give him Chicago's best and tell him that the Cubs can use him this year. Yeah, I, I will. I certainly will. <laughs> First of all, Peter, and you know what? Let me. Uh, this may have come up later, but since we're, we're talking about your kids and all of that, I do know you lost your son David to, to COVID, and so first of all, my my sympathies to you on that. I can't imagine how tough that was, and it certainly goes to teach uh, all of us a lesson. COVID, uh, it's real, it's serious, and people need to address it as such. It's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, they're having a memorial in uh, in Hawaii. He lived he lived in Kauai. And on, on his birthday, which is June 18th, so my son and my two daughters and cousins and nephews and nieces, everybody's heading to Hawaii for a big, a big event. Uh, he was very popular in Hawaii. He'd been there for 45 years. Uh, he, he was a wonderful artist, but he also was in the uh, pineapple business. He uh, grew these wonderful little white paths. Uh, he was... He, you know, I, I, he called me one day, and I said, David, uh, you got to get a shot, right? He said, oh, Dad, it's Kauai. And uh, I said, it's everywhere, son. Please, go get a shot. And he never did. And, uh, and we, were just, we were just sick about it. it it's something that uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have lost children, and it, it's the worst thing to ever happen to a parent. It's just it's quite awful. Well, I know that, and I and I don't want to dwell on the on the sadness, but I, I do want to acknowledge it. I'm sort of curious, was David, given you that he raised pineapples, it just makes me think of maybe a mutual friend of ours, but of course Jim Neighbors, who lived on Maui, uh, and also had a place on the Big Island, raised the flowers and macadamia nuts. Were, were they friendly at all, out of curiosity? I, I don't believe so. I, I was friendly just, with, with Jim. I knew Jim quite well. and uh, But uh, I, I don't think my son ever met Jim. Well, he, uh, another great guy. I spent some nice time with him. Peter, let's talk about your career, because as much as I know when you do interviews, and I don't know for sure, but I imagine everybody goes right to the Hollywood squares. Let's talk about the stars on the show. And I, I want to do that too, but I want to talk about Newman and Marshall first, because the truth is, had your career taken maybe just a different turn in timing, you guys may have been the next or the first Martin and Lewis. Am I off base on that? 
Yeah, we were around the same time. We were uh, we worked the Palmer House every year. We were Chicago Theater. <laughs> That's when Chicago was really hopping. I'm telling you, Rush Street was an amazing place to be. I re- I'm trying to remember the name of a place that opened at 12 midnight. <laughs> it opened at midnight. Uh, I remember the old Singapore restaurant and uh, all, all the great people in Chicago. I, yeah, I, I just love Chicago. I really do. It might have like the weather. It might have been. Uh, might have, well, the, well, it depends on the time of the year. You know what they say: give it five minutes, it'll change. But uh, did you ever play Mr. Kelly's? I uh, no, no. Mr. Kelly wasn't there when Noon and the Marshall was around. That 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 came a little later. Uh, had it uh, had it been earlier, yes, we would have played Mr. Kelly's. But then we 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 were regulars at the Palmer House. We had played two, two or three times a year for teacher, uh, and that's what we called the the, the woman that booked it and uh, the mm-hmm. wonderful room. And uh, we called her teacher. And uh, in fact, I worked it by myself. Uh, a teacher called me. That's when I was kind of hot. And and it wasn't doing well. The Palmer House wasn't doing well. And I went in with Kay Thompson, the great Kay Thompson. Sure. And we didn't do well. <laughs> it, uh, it 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 just, it was just out of favor. That's all. And uh, anyway, it was a great room to work, and I just had so much fun there. And the Chicago Theater, the old Sherman. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, such great days. Had so much and, fun in Chicago. Chicago was wide and, open in those days. I knew I knew a lot of the hoodlums. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure they made a point of meeting you. A lot of the ladies of the night. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's just one of my favorite towns. Well, happy to say the hoodlums are gone out of Chicago. Don't worry about that anymore, Peter. He says carefully. Um, <laughs> oh, I, they never bothered me. They were pals of mine for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you know what's interesting? I always, I know as a child, you always knew you were going to be on stage. You always knew you would be an actor, and you, you did. You've had your share of, of, of Broadway and, and, and theater and performances. But there's a great story that I, I think is true, which is that you fancy yourself, or at some point fancied yourself, a bit of a psychic, and it occurred to you that like, you knew one day you would be a game show host of all things. Is that a true story? That's a true story. I said to uh, my wife, I said, uh, if things are going well, by the age of 40, I will become a game show host. And I was doing a, a show on Broadway with the great Julie Harris and Charles Nelson Riley, the only musical she ever did called Skyscraper. And we ran about a year. And uh, we, uh, you know, I always get a two-week notice. Well, they gave us a two-week notice, but they uh, they paid us for two weeks, but it only ran a week. Had we, had we been... In New York, for the, the two weeks, I would never have done squares. The day I got home, I got a call from Bob Quigley. He said, uh, we're doing a game show called The Hollywood Squares. We'd like to interview you. And uh, I went in, and uh, I had been playing golf all day. <laughs> so I went in with shorts and a pullover, and I, I saw these nine people uh, with with placards to say Zsa Gabor, Charlie Weaver, Cliff Arquette, you know, and yeah. uh, Bob Quigley, uh, the producer, ran this game show. And I watched him. I said, that's terrific. He said, would you try it? I said, sure. So I did it. And uh, I, uh, I, I I did know if it went well or not. Anyway, I went back to New York. I was going to do uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and I was going to meet with Abe Burroughs in New York. 
And so I went back, and uh, while I'm in New York, I get a call. Uh, they, they want you to do this game show. And I said, okay. Uh, I, I don't think I want to do it. I, I'm doing another Broadway show with called Breakfast at Tiffany's. And he said, well, it's, I, so I said, hey, Burroughs, I said, they want me to do a game show. He said, don't worry about it. We've got six months away. I said, well, it's 13 weeks. So I went back and I did my 13 weeks. And uh, then we got picked up for another 13 weeks. And I called Abe Burroughs and I said, you know, I, they just picked up the show for another 13 weeks. He said, I was going to call you. He said, the producers want to go blonde on the lead. I said, what do you mean? He said, they want Richard Chamberlain. Well, the show came in and never opened. It it died in previews, and I ran 16 years. So you never know. That's right. And by the way, you you were not, I mean, you're the classic host, but if, again, if my memory serves correct, is it also not true that before you, it could have been Burt Parks, who just wasn't doing very well, and even in a comedian that I remember, a guy named Sandy Barron. Sandy Barron did a, a pilot, and uh, somebody else, Burt Parks, wanted to do it and they thought he was just too much and they hired me and I thought it was a 13 week gig but it changed my life actually yeah. but before, before squares I I, yeah, I started in London with Cheetah Rivera with Bye Bye Birdie and I started with Julie Harris on Broadway and I, I I started with a lot of different people but I was always second billed I could never sell two tickets after squares, I was always in first place. <laughs> uh, it changed my life uh, financially, and it changed my life as far as uh, people recognizing me. It was a wonderful thing to happen, and it was the easiest show I ever did. It took five hours a week. Uh, I would work Vegas about 30 weeks a year, and I'd just fly in and take five shows and go back to Vegas, you know. It was a it was a lucky thing to happen. It uh, it and it was so much fun to do. It was not work at all. Hey, by the way, speaking of Cheetah Rivera, I spent an evening with her just a couple of months ago. She was honored here in Chicago by the Porchlight Music Theater, and I got to MC and have dinner with her and interview her. What even at ninety, man? She is Cheetah Rivera. Oh, Cheetah, she's the best. Yes, uh, she's 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 like ninety years old now. I'm exactly, 96. and going strong. I'm 96, so Cheetah's got to be like 89, 90. That's right. Uh, and uh, she's still working. I have to keep her at the dinner from dancing on the table. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> she's amazing. I was, I'm, the, I'm the luckiest guy you ever met. I started uh, in London with Cheetah Rivera, who couldn't have been nice. I started my first big Broadway show is with Julie Harris, the great uh, Julie Harris. Nobody could be nicer than Julie Harris and Cheetah Rivera. And it, I'm just so lucky. I've never had any problems uh, with my leading ladies. Uh, it's just been an amazing life. I'm just the luckiest guy I've ever known. So you've given me a great transition from talking about the people you loved. Is there not a story that said one of the reasons that you did do Hollywood Squares was because essentially Dan Rowan was going to do it, and you were no fan of Dan Rowan's, of Rowan and Martin? Uh, that's true. Uh, when I called from New York, I said, uh, I really don't want to do the show. And my agent said, well, if you don't do it, Dan Rowan's going to do it. I said, really? Tell him I'll do the show. <laughs> uh, uh, let me, uh, 
Rowan, uh, Martin, Rowan and Martin, Dick, uh, Dan Rowan and Dick Martin. Dick Martin, I adored very much. I loved him like a brother. Dan Rowan, when we met, they didn't know each other. My partner, Tommy Noonan, introduced Dan Rowan to Dick Martin. We wrote their act. We uh, put them together. We got them booked. We, uh, we, we did everything for them. And Tommy Noonan died in his 40s. And he was at the motion picture home for eight months. Dan Rowan never once went out to see him. Not once. And he owed Tommy his career. Uh, Dick Martin, on the other hand, would send money, would do this, he would go see him. Uh, so Dan Rowan, no. No, I, I uh, did not like Dan Rowan. Well, I'm just going to bring one other name up because it would be it's such a surprise, but I know you've written about it. So, but you know, everybody also thought that you know one of the stars of game shows was Burt Condy, and you were no fan of Burt Condy's either. No, I did a pilot for Burt Condy and, and Burt Reynolds, and that was sold. It was the only game show sold that year. And uh, as I'm, I'm getting ready to do this show, and uh, Burt Condy said, "I'm going to do the. I'm going to be the MC." I said, what are you talking about? I did the pilot. I signed the contract. And uh, he, I said, it won't work with you. Uh, you're not a 730 at night guy. Men don't really like you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, women like you very much, but men don't like you. And men control the nighttime things. Because they've worked all day. They want to see what they want to see. And I was dead right. Uh, the show, I can't remember the name of it. It, uh, it, it died. It, uh, anyway, so I sued him for a couple of million dollars, but he became ill and he died. So I dropped the suit because I didn't want the money from the kids. But I would have won that suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, anyway, and like I said, I, was, I know you've, you've been public about those two, so that's why I bring them up. But I know the rest of Hollywood you love, they love you. Let, let's talk about Hollywood Squares. I mean, I, can't, I have to talk about that because that's what everybody's waiting for me to ask. And here's the thing. When Hollywood Squares comes on in the 60s, you know, the game show scandal had happened. So one of the things I know is that the, the stars in the boxes, they, they could not know the questions. That would be cheating, and they didn't. But yet, you know, when it was time for Paul Lind or it was time for Cliff Arquette or Wally Cox, it was clear that you knew the questions that should go to that star that were designed for them, but they didn't know what was coming, right? Explain that. I had nine boxes. I had nine slots. So I had questions for Charlie Weaver. I had, for Cliff Arquette, I had questions for Joan Rivers or whomever, Rosemary. They were her questions. And what they would do, they would brief the stars and say, like with Paul, they would say, hey, Paul, uh, the first question is a sports question. Now, if you don't know the answer, here's a good bluff. and uh, Or here's a good joke. Uh, but he did not know the straight line, and I never knew the joke. Uh, that's how it worked. But I would look at a question, and I would say, this is a, this is a straight line. Because being a straight man for most of my life, uh, I understood it. Things like, uh, hey, Paul, how many men are on the hockey team? He said about half, uh, and uh, that, that would be the joke. But he would, uh, they would give them bluffs if they didn't know the question. That's because you can't say, I don't know. 
because that's not that's not how the show works. Uh, Kay Ballard was a good friend of mine. She was like a sister to me, and she she would always say, "I don't know." I said, "Kay, for God's sake, uh, you, you, you got to give some kind of an answer." She said, "Well, I, I feel bad. I don't want to. I don't want the person to lose." So we did not use Kay Ballard much anymore, and she was she was one of my closest friends. It's not great for some people. Some people just didn't get it. Kay Ballard was a good friend of mine as well. I used to stay with her out in Palm Springs, and uh, she was she was just so wonderful. I loved her so much. We we've been pals. We were pals for sixty years. You know, she was uh, my age. In fact, I think Kay was maybe a year older than me, and we knew each other from our early twenties. I saw her career rise, and oh boy, she was. I remember at my age is ninety six is loss. I've lost all my pals. And uh, it, yeah. it drives me nuts. It really does. I have done so well uh, this past year. I got COVID, and then I got pneumonia, then I got septus, and I got pneumonia again. And they brought me home to, to die, to be frank with you, from the hospital. And I've survived because of my wonderful wife, Lori. But uh, a lot of my friends, you know, in fact, most of my friends, are all they're all gone. Well, and I know because while I'm not part of that generation, I admire that generation and Rosemary and all the people I knew that you, you know, were with you are, are folks I had so admired through the years. But, um, and a little bit about Paul Lynn because his answers were always so clever. One of the things we come to learn, everybody thinks that, you know, he wrote those answers, those jokes are his, but you make it clear. Am I right? There is not a lot of ad living by Paul or anybody else. The, the, the jokes were written for everybody. Uh, the jokes were written, uh, except for like Goebel. You didn't write jokes for George Goebel, uh, Cliff Arquette, Wally. Wally knew nothing about show business, by the way. <laughs> he, he asked him a show business question. It was always Gregory Peck. He said, oh, yeah, that was Gregory Peck. <laughs> and so and everybody knew that, all, all the contestants. So we, we would write Gregory Peck questions. And he said, Gregory Peck. And the people would say, I disagree. I said, no, it was Gregory Peck. <laughs> oh, we had so much fun on the show. So one of the things I learned from your book, hard to believe, Wally Cox was roommates with Marlon Brando? Was that true? They, they, they were pals since they were infants. They grew up together. That was his best friend. And uh, the funny thing was, Wally was like, he was the, he was the tough guy. And Brando, Wally would say, hey, we're going to go get our motorcycles and go out. And, and Brando would say, no, I don't want to do that. He said, shut up. We're going to do it. <laughs> Wally was the leader. <laughs> it was the biggest switch you ever saw in your life. In fact, when Wally passed, uh, Marlon was at the house for like three days. And you know how big Marlon Brando was and how small yeah. Wally was. He wore his pajamas for three days. Uh, wow. they, they, they loved each other very much. They were they were best of friends. In fact, Wally was not in show business. Brando's the guy that got Wally in show business because he would tell these stories from the war, and uh, they booked him into a place in the village for one night uh, with this comedy act, and in the audience were the two guys that wrote Mister Peepers. And they had they'd been looking for Mr. Peepers. They happened to be in the audience that night. And they said, that's Mr. Peepers. And that's how he got the job. I love that. 
so great. You you shed in your book, which I'll encourage people to check out backstage with the original Hollywood Squares, you also shed light on Vincent Price. You know, he scared a lot of people. And you said Vincent Price, he turned out to be one of your closest friends. He was the best. I met Vincent when I was 18 at Fox. And uh, he was just, uh, he was the complete opposite of all those heavies he played. He was the funniest, cutest man you ever wanted to meet. And he was just a darling, darling person. Uh, in fact, we did a couple of cruises together, and uh, we were really close friends. And I also want to ask about Rich Little, if I may, because, again, while they didn't know the questions, wouldn't the writers have to write questions designed for voices that Rich could do? So was he given a heads up that, hey, you're going to get a Richard Nixon question or something like that? Could they tell him that? Oh, sure. They would write questions for, for Rich. Uh, you know, they would write a a Richard Nixon thing or a Ronald Reagan thing uh, so he could do his impressions. Yeah, it was all set up. So he wouldn't know the questions, but he might know who he would be asked about. Would they tell him that? Yeah, you'd say, uh, Ronald Reagan did a movie with Jane Wyman or blah, 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 whatever the question was, and he would do Reagan, you know. Uh, or we do a Richard Nixon, he'd do Nixon or whomever. He would uh, do all these different impressions and it was it was so hey the show was very clever the writers were brilliant they really were and uh they all went on to do wonderful things most of the writers of the show uh they they wound up producing and writing you know big hits you know it's it's amazing it was an amazing show it uh, it, it was a wonderful thing to happen to me you, for your work, you received Emmy Awards, but you write in your book about how sometimes when, for example, Charles Nelson Riley thought you were going to win the Emmy, but you didn't, and then sometimes you did. <laughs> yeah. uh, you just mentioned one of my closest friends. In fact, I have a, cat, a new cat I just named Mr. Riley. Uh, I was not close to Paul Lynn, but I was very close to Charles Nelson Riley. We had started together on Broadway, and we became like like family. But ask me the question once more time about the Emmys. What about the Emmys and Charles? Well, there was a time you write about that Charles thought you were going to win an Emmy, and he was presenting uh -huh. it. But in the end, it wasn't right. you. It was Dick Clark. It was. And in fact, he said, and the Emmy goes, and he went, Dick Clark? <laughs> <laughs> Dick Clark? Oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> but you did, you, you did win. You, you did win. Not that time, but you did win. I've won five, yeah. Right. And I, let me just... I've been I, nominated, I think, 14 times. I think I was nominated 14 times, and I, I've won five, yeah. Well-deserved. I want one more Paul Lind question, if I can. I know that Paul, sure. you just mentioned you weren't close to Paul. He had a lot of demons. He had drinking issues, all of that. Was he close? How did he get along? I mean, you have some stories that some people, you know, he would, might be nasty to some people around him. Was he difficult to work with? Because people loved him. He was a terrible drunk. When he was, when he was drunk, he was awful. And, uh, but, in fact, he, he went to Northwestern. And uh, he went back there. They would meet every year. Uh, all these different people, and he, one year he he was just so, 
terrible. They would never let him come back to the parties at Northwestern. But he straightened his life out. He became sober. And sober, he was so much fun to be with. He was uh, one of the unhappiest guys I ever met. He was just not a happy person. But he was he was fun to be with. Yeah, I can which remember is great. one night, they, op- they opened a, uh, a show here in... Uh, with, with I don't know how, what do you call it, but anyway, they they had these nude pictures and they had these nude girls and it was a new thing that so I I, I made a reservation and I invited Rosemary and Paul and all these different people. I said let's go watch this. It was opening night and we were there and they showed these awful movies and we were there maybe fifteen minutes. And I said let's uh, get out of here. And we left, and 15 minutes later, they raided the joint. And I was so upset. <laughs> I would love to have been there to see Paul Lynn, Rosemary, and Barry Karen Valentine, and all these people <laughs> arrested. <laughs> oh, anyway. That's a, great, that's a great story. You should have stayed. Fun you know, stuff. Yeah, we should have stayed. Yeah. As you look back, 96 years, God willing, you'll be around another 96, but... There's been so much to your career, and I know everybody just assumes it's all about Hollywood Squares, but as you look back on your life, what are you most proud of? The stage, the singing, the kids? What, where's your pride go from your 96 years? I think uh, my singing. Uh, I never had a hit. I had a, I've made a lot of CDs. Incidentally, they're out there, too. <laughs> you can buy those. Uh Anyway, it, I, 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 the thing I enjoyed most was singing. To go out with a big 24-piece band and do a concert and sing all these wonderful songs, that was my favorite thing to do. I loved theater very much. But I loved, but I loved it all. I loved the nightclubs. I loved squares. I loved, you know, doing theater. It was, it was just, uh, I've had so much fun. I've been in show business 80 years. This is my 80th year. I started out at 15 singing with Bob Chester, a big band out of Detroit. And uh, so it's, this is my 80th year in show business. But I'm giving all my music away. In fact, I got it all piled up, and I'm giving it uh, uh, to Michael Feinstein, who I've worked with many times, and he's a lovely man. Uh, so Michael collects all these kind of music. So it's music I've been using for 50, 60 years. And uh, some of the biggest arrangers in the in the country wrote for me, and so I'm giving all my music to Michael. And give Michael my—I've traveled with Michael. Give him my best as well. Do you have a favorite song? Because I—I I, I'm going to ask you if you—if you, since your music is your thing, singing, if you'd hum a few bars of your favorite song before we wrap up. Well, there's a song that I use for auditions. It was written by Matt Dennis. Uh, Matt was my old roommate, and. Every audition that I sang is called Everything Happens to Me. And uh, you make a day for golf and you can bet your life it rains. You throw a little party and the girl downstairs complains. And you can walk with it and you tell a story. And for some reason, that's how I got Lakaja Fall. I did Lakaja Fall for three years, the national company. And then I worked in New York. But that's, that's my favorite song. And my good buddy, Matt Dennis, wrote it. And it's my lucky song. I don't say it's my favorite, but it's my, that's my lucky song. 
Everything happens to well, me. And I did it on an album called Boy Singer with 35 well, I, wonderful musicians. And I recorded it at Capitol. Yeah. Well, you, you've kept my record going because I once interviewed Carol Channing and she sang to me on the show. So thank you for singing to me on the show as well. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and Peter, I want to encourage everybody to read your book backstage with the original Hollywood Squares because you dish it all. I, I was, you just hid nothing. I love it. You just give the truth in that book about your life. And I, and I think people appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, do you want to hear I also, uh, a goodbye yeah, from go my son, Pete? I would love to do that. And, and uh, by the way, I'm going to encourage Go Chicago. Uh, hey, hey, hang on. Say goodbye to Paul. Paul. This is my son, Pete. Paul, All right. goodbye. Nice talking to Peter. you, and hope to meet you sometime in Chicago. Peter Lecoq, I can't yeah, listen to you without giving going through my hearing aids, so he can't hear oh, you. You can't hear me? <laughs> oh no! I but wanted him to. I, I wanted him to, to sing me. I wanted him to sing me "Go Cubs Go." Uh, oh, he wanted you to sing "Go Cubs Go." <laughs> I don't know how to sing. He said, "He said I don't know how to sing." Uh, <laughs> Actually, he does. <laughs> uh, Peter Marshall. To you, God bless you for a fantastic career. Thank you for spending some time with me. I appreciate it so much, and you stay healthy. Thank and you. Well. All right. Thank you so very much, Paul. Bye-bye. All right. All we'll see you in Chicago. Bye-bye. Thank you, Peter. Bye-bye. Well, if you want to know more about what we've talked about here, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Paul Lisnick. That's P-A-U-L-L-I-S-N-E-K. And I'd love to hear your comments or topic suggestions for future podcasts. You can also go to my website, paullisnick.tv. And hey, don't forget to hit subscribe on WGN Plus and iTunes. And tune in each week to hear more Insider Scoop coming to you from behind the curtain.